welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 18th of June 2017, entitled, Who is My Neighbour? And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 37. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I want us to really get just the context of this passage of Scripture this evening. It will be, certainly at least parts of it, very familiar to you if you've been in church very much at all, I'm sure. Uh, but we want to just look at uh, two questions that are being asked and then being answered by our Lord Jesus Christ here. In Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 1, he says, After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where the he himself would go. So God chooses this 70, he sends them out two by two in the cities where he would go. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. It is his harvest. It's him that we pray to send forth the labor. He says, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city, which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto thee, Charizan. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while all go repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. And he that heareth you heareth me, and he that despiseth you despiseth me, and he that despiseth me despiseth him that sent me. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall down from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be any mean, by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. 
Things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and who he to whom the Son will reveal him. And he returned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to set those things which ye see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto them, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. By chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went into him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Father, as we look into this passage this evening, we pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts. Give us that which we need. You know where each and every one of us are at this time in our lives, where we are and what we need. And, Lord, that this is the passage that you have laid upon our hearts this evening. You know the need of each heart. So, Father, may your work be accomplished for your glory and your honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We find that this passage begins with Jesus Christ sending out the 70 before him. They were going out preparing the way for the message that was going to be brought, and these were gifted in certain ways, and they weren't treated nicely in a lot of situations, but they were assured that the Lord was with them when they went that way. God gave them special abilities that, that others didn't have. And, of course, as he goes out and he goes out and he explains that, you know, as, as they go out that, there are going to be those that will be receptive, that are going to invite them into their homes, that are going to take care of them, that will make sure that they have food to eat and that they have clothes to wear because when they leave, they're going out for the Lord. And they're not taking anything with them. They're not taking any of the world's goods. They don't have their purses. They don't have their belongings, their possessions with them. They're out there serving the Lord and trusting the Lord to meet their every need. Now, it's interesting because these are those that he is sending out into the harvest, and yet at the same time, he's telling those that he's sending out that they are to pray 
for more laborers to come forth to the harvest. You see, it doesn't matter how active we are, how busy we are, how involved that we are in God's work. We never get, should never get too busy to pray to God and to seek God's will and to know that there's much more work to be done and that there's labors that needed and that God is the one that can send forth those labors into the harvest. But he tells them to trust him. Their needs will be met. People will feed them. But he says, now, everybody's not going to be receptive to you. <clears throat> but the truth is he's saying that, wow, one day they will stand before God. And if what I'm reading here seems to be that one day as they stand before God, because of the fact that they heard the truth and rejected that truth and would not receive the truth, it's going to be worse for them than just some of those vile sinners out there that have made their choices anyway. That's why some would say, well, we ought not to send missionaries to this place and that place because they're better off not knowing. No, there is no way. There is absolutely, we just got through singing that, that great song of that day, that's what a great day that's going to be when, when Jesus takes us by the hand and leads us through the promised land. What a day that's going to be. There is no way that any human being anywhere on earth can ever enjoy that day without the Lord Jesus Christ. They need to hear. We need to be praying forth more of the harvest. Some people are going to reject and some people are going to receive us. But the Bible goes on to explain to us here that there are those that are out there that are never truly, truly going to understand. No man can tell you about God, only God himself. You know, the truth is, is that you got to know the Son in order to tell someone about the Son. you got to know the Son to know the Father. The Bible's being very clear to us that we're going out there in his name. But you know what's amazing in all this? These that... Jesus has given them special abilities, whether it's to cast out the demons, to heal the sick, to do these various things. He's given them special abilities, and yet he says even to them, you know, far above that, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. There is absolutely nothing that is greater than to know that your name is written in heaven. There is no truth. There is nothing that you can accomplish in this life that's more important than that simple truth. And let's remember, I want you to grasp the context. That's what this is all about. That's why Jesus came. That's why he's sending the 70 out into all these cities before him. That's why he's telling them, even as they go out, to pray that God would send forth more laborers into this harvest. But there's one there in the crowd, and he asks Jesus two questions. It says, first of all, and we know that he's not asking for the wrong reasons. You know, there's often these troublemakers that all they're wanting to do, they're asking a question, they're seeming so sincere, and all they're really wanting to do is make a fool of the person that they're talking to. Well, it says here, and behold, a certain lawyer... I'm sure he was a, a very clever guy in the intelligence of this world. A certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, tempted uh, the Lord Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, he's asking the most serious question that anybody could ever ask. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? 
So Jesus puts it back on him and says, well, what's written in the law? What, what do you read? What does the Bible tell you that you have to do? And he answers him. He obviously knew at least a fair amount of the scriptures. He says that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength. Didn't we read that passage this morning in the sermon when we were trying to look at the advice that God gives to That's one thing that a dad must do. He must love the Lord with all of his heart. He says, and thy neighbor as thyself. Now, he didn't have any problem understanding that he was to love God. Jesus said to him, thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. Notice what he goes on to say. But he, this lawyer, willing to justify himself, he's trying to justify himself rather than be justified by God. He says, well, who is my neighbor? If I'm to love my neighbor as myself, who is my neighbor? Now, may I say to you, and as we look through this, we see very clearly that, number one, he's not telling that if you go out and do enough things for your neighbor, you're going to be saved. But remember what we, we read a couple of times in, in the past couple of weeks in 1 John chapter 3. The Bible says there in verse 15, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath the world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? You see, keep in mind here that, first of all, he's told these people to leave their possessions behind. He's saying here that anybody that has this world's possessions that are not willing to give them to help the brother that's in need, the one that's in worship, how can you dare say that the love of God dwells in you? He's not teaching them salvation by works here, but he's teaching them that when Jesus Christ comes in and God lives in a heart, it changes. There's a different attitude. And he goes on to impress upon them, well, Lord, if I'm to, to love the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul, and all my strength, if I'm to love him with all my mind and the neighbor as myself, well, who's my neighbor? I, I know who this is that I'm to love God. But who is this neighbor that I have to love if I'm going to inherit eternal life? Notice what he says. Jesus answers him and says, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? 
He said, well, the right answer was what you said. You're going to have to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You see, if you're going to inherit eternal life, that's what's going to be coming from your heart. Who is this neighbor? Jesus says, well, I'm glad you asked. And you see, we might ask that same question today. What, what is Jesus trying to show him here? Well, first of all, if he has Christ in his heart, he ought to be seeing the condition of others around him. And he uses this example. There came down a certain priest. I mean, he's a religious leader. He's the one that's getting up there telling everybody else what they need to be doing for God. But yet this priest, though he may have been a priest in name, and he may have been doing many, many good works in name, when he comes by, he sees this one, this one that literally has fell among thieves. He's been stripped of his clothes. He's been beaten, and he's been left, the Bible says, half dead. They haven't been nice to this guy. And he's laying there beside of the road in this condition, beaten to a pulp with his clothes stripped off of him. Along comes this priest, this supposed representative of God that's doing all of these religious works for God. It says, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I mean, he got, all he had to do was get a glimpse of this guy, and all he wanted to do was get as far away as he could to, to bypass the problems. Is that what Jesus would have done? Is that what Jesus was talking about when he said, if the love of God dwelled in our hearts. The next guy comes along. He's a Levite. When he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. First, the priest. He was the head honcho in all this religious stuff that was going on. But then there came the Levite. He was kind of like the pastor and the deacon sitting back there, Okay. The, the Levites were the ones in there that, that served, that were the leaders in the church, that, that prepared the things, that were done the things. They were these religious workers. They were doing the work every day in the temples. And yet, he did a little bit more than the priest. The priest just passed by on the other side. This guy at least had a little bit of curiosity, came over, looked at him, and then he got back to the other side. This was more than he wanted to mess with. He didn't want to get involved in this. These were the religious people. These were the ones that were supposed to be going to heaven. Jesus is telling them a story. Remember, the question that's been asked is how, how do I, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, his answer to him here was in loving God with all of his heart, soul, strength, and mind and loving his neighbor as himself. You see, when we love God in that way, when God's a part of our lives, he's showing them here, hey, <laughs> This priest is not the way to do it. This Levite's not the way to do it. But a certain Samaritan, he says, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He had compassion on him. You know, we never find Jesus anywhere in the Scriptures that when he sees the one that's hurting, that he doesn't have compassion even when they're not hurting, when he sees that they're in danger, when he looked on the multitudes and he saw them like sheep without a shepherd, he had compassion upon them. Jesus said, here's three examples for you. You want to know who your neighbor is? Here's three examples for you. Here's this religious guy that's the head honcho, and 
He ain't got time to be bothered with that guy. Here's a religious worker that spends his days doing the things that he needs to do, and yet, man, he can't get involved whatsoever. But a certain Samaritan, and we don't have time to go into all the descriptions, but the Samaritans were a breed of people that were looked down on. You know, they, they, they weren't a full-blooded race. They were looked upon. I mean, nobody, nobody accepted them. You know? it, it's kind of like being there now and, and, and being in, in, in the middle, and, and, and Israel doesn't accept you, and the Arabs doesn't accept you. Nobody accepts you. They're not even real sure that you're completely human. They were considered a lower class of people. So you got the head honcho in the church, and you got the one that's working in the church every day, and then you got this guy that's a nobody that nobody even likes. He don't come from the right blood. He ain't got all the right things behind him. He ain't got nothing to do with, with the temple of God and all these things, and yet the first thing, folks, that I believe God is wanting to show us here when he says, go and do thou likewise, is just like this Samaritan. We need to open our eyes and look around and see the condition of those around us. You see, that was where this started. <laughs> the truly, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. There's much work to be done, but there are very few that are willing to do it. You see, I'm to I'm challenging, and I know you may say, well, you're preaching to the choir. Where's everybody at tonight? I don't know. But I know that we're here. I know it starts with somebody, and God's Word uh, is for all of us. And I don't know where you are in this, in this account that, that we're reading right here. I hope you're not one like the, the priest and, and, and the Levite that's got all of your religious stuff. You might be one, but though you may not be looked as on as anything special by this world, you look upon this one that's hurting, this one that's hurting, because let me, I promise you today, we look around this world out here, there are many. There are many. They may not have been jumped upon by the physical thieves of this world, but they have been jumped upon by this world and by Satan and all of his little midgets, and, and they're there and they're trying to beat them down and they're trying to, to leave them half dead because they know that most of those people called Christians, they're not going to be bothered with them anyway. They don't have time to worry with them. They're stuck in their little religious world doing their things that make them feel important and accepted. How can you know that you've got eternal life? Well, Jesus is answering this question in this way, and I'm just repeating it to you. He says, you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. You see, that's the result of true salvation. That's the only place that you're going to have eternal life. You can try to work for it like these religious people all you want, but if God's in your heart, it's going to come out. Jesus Christ is going to work through you. And the first thing that I believe that you'll do if you're truly a child of God is you're going to see the condition of those around you, that they're hurting. They're hurting. They've been stripped. They've been left half dead. They need somebody to see the condition that they're in. We just want to put the blinders on like the priest and the Levite and pretend that it's not there, but it is there. The Samaritan, he came and looked on him. He saw the condition of that one that was there, but he didn't just see it. 
A certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The first thing he had to do was come to him, not pass by on the other sides like the others, but when he came, he not only saw his condition, he truly sensed the need. You can see that somebody's beaten, that somebody's half dead, that somebody needs help. But as Christians, as true believers today, we ought to be sensing the need that they have. And we know that the real need that they have, in a spiritual sense, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we've got to meet them where they are. And if somebody's hungry, feed them. It's a pretty bad thing to go out there saying, you represent Jesus Christ. Now, it gets hard for us, folks. There's, there's a lot of fake things in this world today, isn't there? A lot of artificial things. Matter of fact, it almost seems like there's more artificial things than there are real things. Everybody's trying to make believe that there's something else instead of being real. We find that there are many that are trying to sell you artificial things and make believe things and make you believe that it's something other than what it is. We don't need any artificial religion. We don't need any make-believe Christians. We need people that are truly followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is talking here. He's preparing uh, these that he's sending out before him uh, to pray, pave the way. You know, he's left us here. Jesus is coming again one day. And he's left us here. And he's told us to preach that same message to prepare the way because he is coming again. But we need to rather than getting involved in our professional religious deeds, we need to see the true condition of the lost world around us and how beaten they are and how hurting they are. We need to sense the need that they have in that. And then when we see that condition and we truly sense the need that needs to be fulfilled there, notice in verse 34, and he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. May I say that it's a wonderful thing as a Christian if you can truly see the condition of the world around us. It's lost condition that needs Jesus. They're beaten down, folks. They need to be loved. The thing they need most of all, they need the love of Christ. And just like these that Jesus was talking to here, a lot of wonderful, phenomenal things can take place in their life that only God can do. But above that, they need to know that their names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. You can't afford to be fooled on that. We need to see the condition and sense the need. But as an individual, just as this Samaritan did here, you need to seek the will of God is what he would have you to do. You need to seek God's will as to how you can be involved. You see... This Samaritan came along, and he saw the condition of this man. But after he saw the condition, he sensed the need. He had compassion on him. He hurt for him. He cared that was there. And then he said, Lord, what can I do in this situation? It's not enough just to leave it for somebody else, or somebody else will come along and take care of that problem. When we see it and when we sense it, we need to seek the will of God. God, what can I do? In this situation, oh, we could look at all kind of symbolism here for the oil and the wine, but may I say the important thing I'm wanting you to see here this evening is the fact that he sought the will of God, and his will was to meet that man where he was at and do what he could with what he had, and he did. 
He tried to bind up his wounds. He tried to, to pour that into him, that he had the medications that he had to, to cleanse it and to sanctify it. And, and we find that he did those things, the Bible says, and took care of him. He did everything that he could. We find that it says in verse 34, and went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. See, he was showing the mercy that the Lord has. If God is in your heart, we've already seen the compassion that's there. He sought the will of God to be involved, and he's showing them mercy. He's not only going and doing what he can and taking care of him, but notice in verse 35, and on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay you. God said, Okay, Samaritan, it's time for you to get involved and you to do what you can. But when you've done what you can, then he took him to the end. He took him to others where more care could be taken. Sometimes you've got to meet these people where they are. You've got to do everything that you can within your ability. But then just as this one here, you need to bring them to the end. You need to bring them to the others that care. You need to get them away from that world out there that's trying to, to beat them down and to strip them and to make them leave them half dead. You need to bring them where they can be cared for. And that's why that folks... The church is not just a place for religious ritual. It should be a place where people can be cared for. Sometimes, I've, I've, I've said it's absolutely amazing to me over the years, sometimes I don't know why. You know, thank God for all the souls that we've seen saved in this place and follow the Lord and, and continue to follow the Lord. But a lot of times God has also sent us a lot of hurting people. A lot of people that have been beaten down by the world. A lot of people that have been left half dead by the world and nobody cared. And they may have went to congregation after congregation where that nobody seemed to care. They could see that they were hurting, but this is going to cost some time, some effort, some money. It's going to cost some things. I'm saying to you, God needs some people today that will see the condition of this world and the people that are in it, to sense the need that is there of what they need, to seek the will of God in meeting them where they are, to show them the mercy that can only come from our Heavenly Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that it's quite amazing here. <laughs> it said, On the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. Whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I'll repay. You know what our natural reaction is? <clears throat> I started to say a while ago, I know you meet a lot of sometimes individuals that you don't know how genuine they are because we know there's a lot of people that are just sitting there, can I have a bit of change? Can I have a bit of money? They're not wanting it for food. They may say, I'm hungry, but what they're wanting to do is go down to the local shop and to, to buy their fags or their booze or whatever else and just waste that money. We made it a practice a long time ago. We want to show mercy. But when people come here seeking help, we're going to take them and give them that help. We'll take them to the store and we'll buy the food for them. We'll take them and we'll buy their electricity or their gas or whatever it needs if they have a genuine need. We will do that. 
but we don't just throw money out there. And I know it's hard for you, but I'm saying this is why it's so important. We've got to see the condition that people are hurting out there. People are really hurting, even though there's some people that's trying to play on it and abuse it. We need to sense the need of those people. Yes, their immediate need right now, but the greatest need that they have in bringing them to Jesus Christ where they can ultimately be healed, seeking the will of God for what he would have you to do, showing the mercy that will come when Christ is really there. See the condition, sense the need, seek the will, show the mercy. And this last one sometimes hurts a little bit. Sacrifice. Sacrifice of yourself for someone else. Sacrifice of yourself. You see, he didn't say, okay, I've done everything I can here now, so I'm out of here. I'm gone because i got somewhere else i got to be tomorrow. When he'd done everything that he could, he brought him to the end where he could be cared for. But not only that, when he had to leave the next day, he said, look, this guy still needs care. And I want you to take care of him, and I want you to meet those needs. And he didn't put a limit that is up to 20 pounds or 50 pounds. He said, whatever it costs, when I come back, I will repay you. I'm not setting a limit on how much that I'm willing to help this person. I'm in this all the way. Whatever he needs, I've done everything that I can do. But now if there's others that can involved and helped in this, I'm willing to sacrifice that they can do it. And that's part of what we've been asking you to do these last weeks. Not for me, not even for our local church, though I don't believe that the local church is worth even being a local church. If his heart and his focus is not upon winning the loss to Christ, that's why those missionaries are back there, not trying to impress people of what we're doing out there. It's that the work of the Lord can go on. And yes, we've had our mission conference. And yes, we've encouraged you. First of all, is it God's will for you to go somewhere? Because the very first thing that you've got to give him is yourself. Will you serve him? Will God want you to serve him? You see... The whole focus of everything here was the person having eternal life. And if they had to have if they had eternal life and this this love, this 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 caring that was coming out of them was because of the God that lived within them, not the works that they did, but it was when the heart was changed that it showed that it was there. And we find that in actual fact, that's what God is asking of us today. He's asking, what, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to go for the Lord? He sent these out. I've got news for you. He sent those 70 out, but he has sent each and every one of us out. The commission is to all of us. We don't get saved just so we can enjoy church. We don't get saved just so we can have that comfortable feeling that, yes, one day, I'm going to heaven. What an exciting thought. <laughs> that hope of the future. It's a glorious future. It's a glorious thought. That's not why God's got you here now. That's what, not what you're here for at this moment in your life. What God needs of you is to look at this here because, first of all, in Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 3, the Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. 
You're not doing this for a pat on the back. You're not doing this to prove to me or somebody else that you're a Christian. We're talking about what's genuine, what's coming from your heart, what's real for you. There was something not real about this priest and this Levite. Evidently, they were not really the ones that were going to inherit eternal life for sure because the only way you can inherit eternal life is to be born again by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. And he said that immediately after he got through making the promise that he had gone to prepare a place and that he was coming again to receive them unto himself. Jesus Christ. Just as surely as he sent out those 70, he sent you and I out into this world. Just as surely as they were to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Folks, we ought to be so burdened with what's going on around us that we're praying earnestly for God to send forth laborers. More that are willing to do more than just have a safe ride to heaven one day. To have a comfortable seat in a church. But those that are willing to serve, those that went out like these, and some accepted them and some didn't. They didn't have any of this world's possessions or good. They had to trust and depend upon God to supply their need through those that accepted and received them in. They didn't look to the world. They looked to the Lord. And he's those. Just like this account that he gives us here. Which now of these thinkest thou was neighbor? Unto him that fell among the thieves. Why was the guy asking him, who's my neighbor? Because God had said, if you're going to inherit eternal life, you're going to be one that loves the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and your neighbor as yourself. When you love like that, you'll know that you're loving like God loves. You'll know. The inheritance of eternal life is going to come to you because you're a child of God, not these religious things. Who is my neighbor, Lord? Who am I to love that way? It has nothing to do with how close or how far away they live from you. It has nothing to do with the race or the background that they're from. It has nothing to do with your religious abilities or capabilities in the world's eyes. It has to do with what's real in your heart. What's real in your heart? Because Jesus is the one that said, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. That was our fourth point, wasn't it? <laughs> he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. You go and do the same thing. You go and show that mercy. And isn't that, folks, in all the different ways we've looked at it, isn't that what being a Christian is all about? It's not about religion. It's not about a church that has a title or a name on it down here. It is about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, it is about those that truly belong to him and that Jesus Christ lives in their heart. And so I want to encourage you this evening as we've continued a thought, and maybe you're still praying 
about what God would have you to do, whether it's serving him on a mission field out there somewhere, whether it's serving him and getting busy right where God has placed you in the place that God's placed you right now because he didn't save you. I mean, if, if all you want to do is go to heaven, why don't you check in with him tonight and see if he'll just take you on? If you don't plan on serving him while you're still down here, why not just go on? See if you can get on the next train heading out because you're going to be a lot better off there than you are down here. But if you're here and you're a child of God, how about serving him? How about being one of those to put away your world's goods and your world's possession and be willing to step out there for the Lord and to trust him? Whatever he's calling you, wherever, whatever town or city that he's sending you to. And yes, some of them may reject you totally, just as they did these. Don't be like the priest and the Levite. You don't need religion. You need Jesus Christ. You need to be like this Samaritan. He had something the others didn't have. And that which you need in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what's going to accomplish it. And I'm just encouraging you this evening are you willing? Are you willing to seek God's will? Are you willing to open your eyes, not just walk by on the other side, see the condition of this world around us? Are you willing to sense the need that is there, to know it, to have that compassion, to feel it in your heart, to seek the will of God of what he would have you to do, how he would have you involved, to show them the mercy that, that, that Jesus wants you to show them in caring for them and meeting for them? in actually sacrificing of yourself, whatever is necessary to esteem the other one above yourself, to see that the other one's needs are met. You see, we're not trying to get you to do something to make me or this church or anybody else. All I want you to do is what God wants you to do. I want you to be willing to say, Lord, what do you have of me? What do you want of me? We can fill this place up with people that just want to come along, maybe maybe to, to, to service, maybe two sometimes, but at least a service on Sunday, and, and they just want to come along, and they want to enjoy themselves, and they want to have a good time, but they don't want their life challenged. They don't want to make any real commitments. And you know, the thing is, I thank God for every one of them that comes through and sets themselves down in here because of anything in the world is going to change their lives. It's the Word of God that's going to do that. That's why that's the center, the focus of what we do around here. This is what's going to change lives. This is what will change your life. This is what will get you through. Not this church, not anybody's religion, but the God of this Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ is the only way that you can get to him. So I encourage you this evening, if you don't have that assurance of knowing, please, Please don't be fooled like this priest and this Levite into thinking that you're something that you're not. That's not the ones that were going to inherit eternal life. They had the religion, but there was nothing showing in their lives. There was nothing that was real there. Be like that old Samaritan. Maybe the world don't give two cents for, but you're out there serving the Lord. You're doing what God wants you to do. And you're not concerned about your comforts and your possessions. You're concerned about being able to meet the needs of those that have been beaten and left half naked and half dead on the side of the roads of this world. How will God use you? How will God use our church? God help us not to just be some ordifice of a place that comes together for its religious ceremonies Help us to be a place where God's people come together 
to truly magnify him and glorify him and serve him. And it's not going to happen inside these walls. It's what we do outside those walls. That'll give us something to rejoice in here when we come together when God is reaching those lives and those souls out there. I love you this evening. God loves you even more. And I believe with all my heart, God's looking for a people, a people that will get busy for him, just as these that he sent out here. God has sent us out into this world, just like these lambs amongst the wolves. Folks, that's what we are. We're lambs amongst the wolves out here. But hey, we got the great shepherd to protect us. We don't have to worry about those wolves. We got the great shepherd to protect us, and he will. Will you earnestly, will you earnestly before God? If you don't know the reality, if there is any doubt whatsoever, will you just pause in your life right now and make sure that Jesus Christ is truly in your heart? And if he is and you're here, will you pause and realize that, hey, there's some really, really, really important things going on in this world. Nothing more important than the work of God. Nothing that you can do or give anyone to compare to the gift that is theirs through Jesus Christ. Nothing compares. And you're an ambassador for him. You're a servant for him. So are you willing this evening to go and do what God wants you to do? Father, there's so much, there's... It's really an unending subject. But, Lord, you know our heart this evening. Lord, I thank you for each and every one of these that are present. And, Father, I just pray that you would help us, Lord, to grasp from this account in your word. Lord, you sent us all out. You've told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We've looked at that commission in recent weeks as we've gone through it. And, Lord, in all the different passages in the, in the four gospels and in the book of Acts, Lord, we find that commission, that command being given to go out. Lord, we know that we have a phenomenal responsibility. I pray now. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be willing to give of ourselves in such a way that we're willing to go wherever. I also pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be focused upon, Lord, the reality of the real needs of this world. That We can't meet those with the world. We can't meet them with religion. But we can sure bring them to Jesus because he's the one He's the only one that can fully meet their needs. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a congregation of believers together. Help us, Lord, as we have a heart for these that are, that are hurting, for these that have been left half dead by the world. Help us to reach out to them, to meet them. Help us, Lord, to have a heart to send missionaries around this world to do all that they can to reach those that are hurting in all parts of the world. We give you the praise and the thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen.